Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast where we watch films that you probably should have seen by now. Uh, my name is Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this episode. This week we look at our first Disney animation. Yes, it had to happen eventually, there's quite a lot of them and they do seem to be reasonably popular. And the one that we are looking at is turning 75 years old this year. It is of course 1942's Bambi. Joining me to review Bambi, we have two guests. As always, one has seen the film and one has not. Our guest who has seen the film and making her second appearance on the show is Nicola Brescianini. Yay! I, I, only, get, I only get names <laughs> wrong once. So. <laughs> yes, welcome. Uh, welcome, Miss B. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm, you know what? No one's ever asked me that at the start of one of these. Um, I'm very well. Uh, ho- hello, my name is Stephen. I host podcasts. Uh, just a quick uh, reminder for the folks at home. Uh, what do you do, Nicola? Um, I'm a primary school teacher, so I feel like this is perfectly in my realm to comment on a Disney film. Certainly. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's it's not just more than that. I may have mentioned previously you are um, very much into the Disney films. Yes, very mm. much into the Disney films, to the point that I dedicated my life to it for a whole year. Mm. And that was when you were working for... <laughs> At Walt Disney World oh, in Walt Florida. World. Excellent. And uh, joining us as our person who hasn't seen Bambi and is... Uh, that's being rectified tonight, uh, making his <laughs> yeah. second appearance. It's Jason Dolly. Jason, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Stephen. And just a reminder for the folks at home, what do you do? I'm an outreach officer at Murdoch University. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also uh, married to somebody else <laughs> mm-hmm. who has done the same thing as Nicola and spent some of her time uh, at Disney World in Orlando. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so you're married to a Disney super fan as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but you haven't seen Bambi. No, no. Any particular reason that Bambi's just yeah. not not crossed your your sphere of uh, movie watching? Pray well, tell. Uh, yeah, well, if <laughs> if I'm honest, it's probably um, probably because Carmen doesn't like it. Okay, um, like Bambi that much. Um, it is. It has a reputation for being a sad film, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons I haven't watched it is because um, I had a younger sister. Um, we'll still do. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we were quite young, there were certain films, uh, specifically, I do remember Alice in Wonderland being one of them, that we couldn't watch because they used to make my sister cry. Right. Oh. I mean, she was three or something at the time. It's mm-hmm. like the sad bit in Alice in Wonderland where she like, has that song about how she herself. never thinks she's going to get home. I mm-hmm. can't remember it. And like all the animals kind of cry with her. I think yeah. that used to go... Um, Very good yeah. advice. Mm-hmm. But I think really from... When I was into Disney, everything that I watched was kind of Lion King onwards. Hmm. So Lion King, Aladdin, Toy Story, those were the ones Cereal, I really part watched. of the Renaissance era. Yeah, yeah. How did your sister go with the Lion King, considering that has some reasonably <laughs> sad moments? Um, I think because it's not... 
overarching and I have a feeling also when was Lion King 1994 which Four? is a beautiful year because it's the same year that I was born oh there we go oh, right. she would have been five then so okay, so I have she, a feeling she, the age she'd seen a bit been, more of the world yeah and she, <laughs> that's she would really have interesting. been six probably by the time it actually came out on VCR as well because right. the Lion King is really just an updated version of Bambi where does Bambi sit in the in the overall like pantheon of Disney films hmm. well look it's pretty highly rated, I would say. It did not get received very well um, when it first came out. Mm-hmm. But considering that since then, due to all the re-releases that it had, it gained like a lot of popularity. And it was actually Walt Disney's favourite Disney film ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, he only saw... A the first one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he saw more than that. He, he died in 1967, so he so went all that... the way up to The Jungle Book. Okay. okay. So he had a good but... solid like uh, almost 30 years of films that he saw. Yeah, then. but that was... They took his a lot longer. Favorite, they didn't. Mm. Yeah, that was hands down his favorite Disney movie ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's quite highly rated for that reason. It's also one of the films with um, the least amount of dialogue. So considering that it's mm. so popular and there's not much dialogue going on, you know it's going to be good. Mm, <laughs> so it's going to be like Wally. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. a good movie too. It is a great movie, Wally. Jason, what do you know about Bambi? Thumper, which is the rabbit, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember if it was rabbit or It's an hair, original character as well. Is it? Thumper. Well, yeah, because... Yeah, is, in... is Bambi not an original character? Bambi is no. from a book. There was a book made in the... In the 30s. Yeah, around that time period. Oh, uh, 20s or 30s, yeah. yeah which was uh, about... It was called Bambi, uh, mm-hmm. and it was, it was this story. And uh, they took that story, and they made... They made a slightly different version from the book. I won't say anything more than that until we get into the review bit. Okay, good. But um, yes, the the book explores some themes that the movie chooses to focus its attention elsewhere. <laughs> uh, so, with that in mind, shall we watch the film? Sure. Yes. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, grab your VCRs or any more recent technology you might have <laughs> uh, as we prepare to watch Bambi. Hey everybody, welcome back. We have just finished watching Bambi and I'm joined again by Nicola. Hello. And Jason. Hey. So, Bambi, uh, not a long film. No. <laughs> I think that's the first thing. I was Even I was surprised by the sub 70 minute runtime. Um, oh, it was sub 65, wasn't it? I, 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 you know what? The DVD is in the other room. Let's, let's call it 67 and a half. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, Jason, first time viewing Bambi properly. What did you think? Um, honestly, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, good. I thought, and and to an extent it was, I thought it was going to be like a bunch of animal skits in a way. And it it really was in a lot of ways. Like it was thing, 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 thing. Like um, it's still conjoined in terms of like, all right, now he's on ice. Now he's in puberty. Mm. Now he's older and stuff like that. So there was a bit more through fare. I was talking to somebody at work. um, I mentioned I was doing this um, podcast and... um, Actually, no, I mentioned this afterwards, but before she was talking about how she went and saw Bambi and she was kind of ragging on a little bit, mm. <laughs> um, going, oh, it's not that great. And maybe, I can see maybe kind of her point in a lot of ways. It is, how old again now? 75. 75 years old. So it's pretty old. Mm-hmm. And a lot of sensibilities have changed. We did keep making jokes that um, there's aspects of The Lion King and <laughs> Wally. Yeah. Um, which is probably to the point, like, it is probably maybe a bit of a progenitor to that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, in the notes, there are a lot of notes which basically say, (laughs) uh, 
Lion King then borrowed this, Lion King borrowed this. Um, we, we have a literal circle of life. But I, I suppose in a way, um, you, you know, it, it, the film very much focuses on the, the four seasons and the cyclical nature of the animal kingdom. Mm. Um, and I haven't seen this film for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was quite impressed Um it held up a bit better than I remembered. I, I think I it maybe wasn't a favourite of mine as a child. I feel like it's one of those movies that you appreciate more the older you are. Because mm. as a child, a lot of kids find it really boring because really not that much happens in it. There's not, there's not a wisecracking... Yeah, there's not a lot of action. Yeah. And yeah, there's like no that. wisecracking bird, which seems to be the thing that Disney was doing at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've, I you've mean, got, you've got the original, I think. Yeah, you've got... Oh, yeah, you got the owl, but he's not, he's not wisecracking in terms <laughs> no. of kids no. like him, like they do yeah. Zazu and Iago. Yeah, yeah. and you, you've got Thumper, but Thumper is very much more like just putting a normal six-year-old into the narrative yeah we'll, we'll get yes. to thumper yeah. we'll get to thumper we've oh. got notes on thumper yes okay yeah well, the first note i did take though was opening song and nicola you really enjoyed the opening mm. song i love that opening song so that opening song was written by um frank churchill and some other guy who's not as important as churchill. <laughs> and um i don't know if i said this during the movie but just before he passed away he actually wanted to dedicate that song to his wife who um i did say his wife mm. is actually well, was Walt Disney's personal secretary. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, they weren't able to dedicate it to his wife because the, it had already gone through to, like, the publisher. Um, right. So they missed, you know, the deadline to dedicate it. Because there was a dedication to it um, at the beginning. Oh, no, a thanks he, or a dedication? There was, it was a dedication um, to a gentleman called Sydney Somebody who... Um, <laughs> it's a funny name. <laughs> <laughs> he was we'll working, find the actual name. He there. was working for MGM. Um, in the 30s, he actually bought the rights for the um, for the story from mm. the author because um, he wanted to create a live-action version of Bambi. And then after a couple of years, he went, oh, this is going to be a bit hard. That's interesting you mentioned that Bambi is a... Um is not an original story mm. because that first came up when you said Thumper's an original character. I'm like, yeah. are they all original characters? But no, apparently it's based no. on a book. Yeah, it's based on the book. So Thumper and Flower are the only two original characters in that whole story. Mm. Um, but yeah, so what was I talking about? Sydney. Yes, yeah, so Sydney? Sydney who had the rights and then gave oh, yeah, them yeah, to Oh yeah, he basically went, oh, there's going to be too hard to do live action. And he sold them to Walt and Walt went, great. And took off running with it. And gave him to... a thanks for it. Yeah. So I was wondering if it was maybe on the super cheap or even free if but he got a thanks it, for it, it or could it was been. a legal thing uh that i'm not sure about i know that there was like there's been legal battles going on for years because mm. um the gentleman who wrote the book actually sold it it was for like a thousand dollars which mm. i mean at the time probably would have been a fair bit mm. but um and disney's had trouble with authors. well the thing is that he actually sold it to sydney not to walt disney uh, okay, and then Sydney Sydney Franklin Disney. is the name. Oh, okay, Franklin. It was Sydney Franklin. Yeah. Yes, it was a producer and director at Metro Goldwyn Mayer. Yeah, um, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, the uh, the book originally by uh, Felix Slatten, he bought the rights to, and as you say, wanted to make a live action one, and then went, oh, this is the '30s, maybe not. <laughs> um, but, but right yeah. now, Disney would be all over that, which yeah. actually is something we discovered: is there is no plans for a live action Bambi. Yes. Yeah. Yet, but also I think coming back to that point is one, what was an hour long and didn't have much in the way of plot apart from check out the new season that we're in and here's some fun um, animation effects. Well, considering the fact that like Beauty and the Beast, which is the most recent one, that Mm. was almost a shot for shot of the original movie. If they redid Bambi as a live action, they would not do it as a shot for shot. They would 
it compl- they'd have to completely change the story. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like um, what's his name? Ah, oh, John Favreau, who mm. did um the Jungle Book, which by all accounts that I've heard is quite good. Mm. Mm. Um, he is he's doing the one the Lion King remake as well. Yeah. So he'd probably take it over, and he has a tendency. He's he does change things for the yeah. better. Yeah, like um, Scarlett Johansson's car, which is I think yeah. really cool. Although, so. can you really replace Sterling Holloway? Well, I mean, they had to because <laughs> yeah, 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 they kind of <laughs> he wasn't. Well, they replaced him with Jim Cummings. We were just talking yeah. about that. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. And the the original novel uh, was called Bambi: A Life in the Woods. It was published in 1923, but was not a work intended for children. Um, <laughs> so th- when Disney got hold of it, they turned down much of the material. Um, by one description of the novel, it consists of 293 pages packed with blood and guts action, sexual conquest, and betrayal. The forest <laughs> characters included cutthroats and miscreants, including six murderers. So uh, it was slightly more... Animal murderers? Yes. Okay. So slightly more Game of thrones I yeah, guess. Yeah, you were talking about Farthing Wood, and we were even making jokes with the stags and mm. the Baratheons from Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, but yeah, so the original content was, uh, the original book that it came from was much more uh, dramatic. The, the thing mm. I picked out was uh, one of the discarded characters uh, were from the original novel is Gobo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Gobo. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gobo. <laughs> Good old Gobo. Was, was Feline's <laughs> twin brother. Oh. Uh, and Bambi's first cousin also Feline and Bambi were cousins but in the original book but not in the uh, film because Walt wasn't that keen on well, it just, it, cousins talking out yeah really they just never mentioned it yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. unmentioned like in Lion King yeah, yeah with uh, Nala and, um, Nala and Simba. Simba yeah so uh, what happened to Gobo though um Gobo is found by a human while wounded and nursed back to health and released into the wild. He concludes that men should not be feared and later willingly approaches a hunter who simply kills him so oh. yeah um and I, I think it's, yeah, that's quite dark. And I can see where they went, actually, maybe we won't have that. And I thought it was really interesting. We should probably touch on Bambi's mum now. Yeah. Um, it's quick. It's quick. But the thing with it being so quick is mm. that it had a real impact. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I would have thought, um, th- this had me thinking, and this is something I was going to bring up with you guys, is... It did, I probably did, or it was kind of the, the master of all those kind of, ah, ha, ha, we did it, we did it, right? And then you turn around and the person's, yeah, you know, there. And I'm just trying to think, like, it happens in so many other films, but I can't think of a film that it happens in. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, where the whole, like, you know, ha, ha, we made it, right? Yeah. Right? And then, you know, there's the person, no one there. there's no one there, or the person slouches over and is dead. I'm just trying to think of... Well, I mean, maybe this is one of those first films that did it, it would have. I I would have assumed it would have been. I would say that perhaps the reason it was so impactful was probably because because it was 1942, it was an animated film, and at this stage, uh, this was Disney's fifth film. Snow White, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, and then Bambi. And at that point, there hadn't really been too many dark... Um, interpretations, I suppose, mm. and then to suddenly have the main character's mother just get killed. I also think maybe because it was five-year-olds watching it, and it was five-year-old us watching it, that maybe it has more of an impact on us mm. because, like, it was simplistic and everything, and it was it was touching in a way, mm. but it wasn't too much in a lot of ways, especially for our modern sensibilities yeah. or our more mature sensibilities. Yeah. I think part of it as well is that Bambi is so innocent as a character and you get really attached to that whole like naivety thing. Mm. And he looks like they animated him to look like a child, to have those big wide mm. eyes and that kind of thing. Mm. So you get so attached to that character and they go through the whole part. I mean, there's 
a time where they almost get shot yeah, and it's beforehand a, in the meadow. Mm, so, and it's skit after skit of yeah. so it's quite situational shocking. comedy rather than character development yeah. plot. And then suddenly it does happen. Yeah. And then boom, okay, back to it now. I like th- back to the skits. Yeah, I think it's quite shocking in the context of the film. Like, can, mm. you know, what the film is like and what the characters are like and how attached you get. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm. You know? Yeah, and it, but I think it also, like it's telling that it comes right in the midst of the winter section as well yeah uh, you know it's very much about that uh death and renewal thing yes. like we, we have a lot of shots of like when autumn is finishing and the leaves turn black and mm. all you know all that sort of thing um we have and then i think it is quite nice that it kind of jumps straight from this uh this this very sort of like traumatic death and it goes straight into spring. new spring yeah. and all the birds are together and everyone's hooking up to make the next generation mm. um and yeah, I, it, what do they get? Twitterifying? Twitterpated. Twitterpated. The Twitterpated. That's yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. Um, but yeah, it was good. Uh, child actors. So mm. this this is one of the one first of, yeah. films that used actual uh, young performers. Uh, yeah. As yeah, as mm. characters, because they used to use um, adults just putting on you know kids' maybe, voices. Yeah. So it was, yeah, like, not, I wouldn't say groundbreaking, but it was, yeah, <laughs> you know, oh my God, they used kids. It wasn't a bit um, like um, in Monsters, Inc. or in South Park where they get literally like a two-year-old to do all the baby speak. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it was very different for the time to actually have children perform as children. Which, mm. I mean, realistically, you're like, why was that such a big thing? <laughs> yeah. Because they've kind of, they've, they've gone back to that in a lot of ways. Like there are certain actors. Bart Simpson. Of, Bart Simpson, Nancy, Cart- Nancy Cartwright, or mm. even mm. if you look at. Rugrats. Yeah. They're all, um, well, most of them are just done by female actors yeah. mm. with, with a more high-pitched kind of voice to it or yeah. a more rougher kind of voice to it. So, mm. Yes, uh, one of the uh, things that popped up in the IMDb trivia troll. Is uh, this who else could have played Bambi? No, it's no. not. Oh. Although... Um, the kid w- who played Bambi was interesting, though. It, he was, yeah. Actually, oh. he's, he, one of the notes I have is on him. Um, he was in the Marines. He was. Well, he to, sorry, he went into the Marines. D- yeah, yeah, not at the same time. <laughs> he was six-year-old in the Marines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, took, he had a brief uh, stint back from the war, from, you know, sticking it to uh Yeah, it was to, 1942, to so he came back. He was a mar- yeah. six-year-old Marine. He ended up in back. Vietnam. He got, like, injured, like, a couple of times. He did. And okay. was, like, yeah. Celebrated uh, so he was actually shot in the forest as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, Donnie, Donnie Dunnigan oh. was his name. Uh, sorry? Donnie Dunnigan was his name Donnie Dunnigan yeah, yeah. Um, he kept it? his role of young Bambi quiet while he was in the Marines because he didn't want the nickname Bambi uh, yeah. which he would have definitely got yeah. he would have um, and yet he was the youngest drill instructor instructor sorry in the Marines history at that time uh, rose to the rank of major served Come in the on, Vietnam everyone. War and was wounded three <laughs> times so <Bird. laughs> um, yeah so yeah, he, he, he certainly had, had an interesting he uh, did. life. And, and Rambi had a real thick Georgia accent mm. with yeah. that. Like, there's people I know who sound like that, and they are from, like, Atlanta, yeah. mm. which is really big podcasting territory. There's a mm. lot of podcasters who go oh, in really? there. Well, yeah, like, and, um, yeah. the Stuff You Should Know. Um, they're, like, should I? Your Stuff You Should Know is a podcast. It's one oh. of my <laughs> famous podcasts. Yeah. And, and um, Stuff You Missed in Classes. <laughs> Yeah. And of course, uh, our very own podcast has our very own dedicated uh, Georgian listener. Uh, hello, Brian. 
Uh, we hope Ooh, all oh, is well. Hi, Brian. Yes. So uh, we hope all is well over your side. Uh, one of the other notes, uh, the six-year-old at the time, Peter Ben, uh, auditioned oh. with several of the children for the voice of uh, the voices of Mother Rabbit's children. When Ben said the line in reference to Bambi, did the young prince fall down? Uh, a casting director who was watching the audition in another room shouted, get that kid out of here, he can't act. Uh, however, the Disney animators heard the audition tape later and loved the sound of his voice, so he became Thumper. Ah. So yeah, it was it was interesting how they they were playing around with that um, young performer idea. Yeah, yeah. There's a fact that um, Nicola mentioned during it. She mentioned a lot of facts. Yeah. So, um, um, but do you want to mention it? I don't remember which one you're talking oh, about. Oh, the one about the all the rabbits. Oh yeah. So um, originally, like the, all the little bunnies were, um, they wanted them to have personalities like the seven dwarves. So they wanted them to be really, um, really individual. And then one animator. By one. Yeah, so then one animator turned around and basically went, uh, wouldn't it be better if we do the total opposite of that and have, you know, five of them be the same and have one stand out, different colour, different, you know, and different have a eyes, completely outshining yeah. personality. And mm. that was actually how the role of Thumper came to be. Yeah, and, and Thumper, like you say, uh, along with Flower, uh, two original characters yeah. created mm. for this, two to essentially add some lightheartedness yeah. from the the original. Yeah. Uh, so all text. the other all the other rabbits would have been other things like Jumper and. Yeah, mm. they probably would have had some ridiculous. Like names. that's probably where Thumper comes from. Yeah. They probably yeah. didn't even change the name though. Yeah, like, you're probably right. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, then uh, with Thumper, uh, we noted he's a bit of a jerk. He's, yeah, <laughs> we, we we called him a knob. I think at a few points he yeah. literally like. <laughs> My favourite bit is when, um, this is a bit later on than from the beginning, but when um, Bambi's on the ice and Thumper <laughs> is trying to help him up. And at one point he's like, oh, you're not so good on your feet. Then he just grabs one of the feet and just goes mental on it, <laughs> like shaking it. And I was like, you, you're an absolute jerk. I mean, he's a six-year-old. Ice hard, Thumper. I know. Kind of like big feet like you do. Some of us have little hooves. <laughs> yeah, li- literally, literally I have to balance on four sticks. Yeah. <laughs> And that's yeah. it. But, um, but you know, I mean, it, it was also interesting, even though we we don't have a massive uh, story arc, we, we do see Thumper and then Flower the Skunk and indeed uh, Bambi himself. Uh, we see them mature with the seasons and mm, yeah. we very much see uh, the connection between uh, spring and puberty and you have uh, the owl coming down and talking about everyone getting Twitter-pated. <laughs> Twitter-pated, and, yeah. and basically turns, uh, like, the hormonal part of uh, going through puberty as like it's this horror story. That's which, my favourite scene. To, which so to a lot like like when you are um, five and six, like the ideas that you're going to feel differently are, are like they you, they don't you don't get it. Love is icky. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a weird, stupid thing that like you know other people do, but you're not interested in because yeah. um, of that. Although speaking of um, the puberty thing, I absolutely loved in. Spring when you see Bambi and he's kind of started to get the horns and he's like mm. rubbing against the tree, but then you see Thumper and he's got that stupid pubescent <laughs> mustache going yeah. on. But as whiskers, it was yeah, just, yeah, yeah, as whiskers <laughs> as well. Yeah, it was a really lovely touch. But like, it, it honestly surprised me that it didn't sound like the squeaky voice teen from The mm. Simpsons as well. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't getting Twitter painted. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, one of the other notes that I, I did make just in terms of the animation style, particularly in the April shower scene, but pretty much throughout the film, mm. is this does feel very uh, Fantasia. Now, I know these films would have been yes. made at the same time, um, but there are very clear stylistic elements yeah. which have just bled through into this film. Yes. Mm. I, I don't have a comment for that. No, that's, <laughs> that's okay. I'm in agreement, I think, sorry. Yeah, no, you can definitely see it in the 
the nature of how films had transferred from to to actually be talking, you can still see that heavy influence, how things will have to go on with a song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't the kind of the subtlety that we you kind of have yeah. from kind of almost the 60s onwards. There was a really heavy heavy reliance going on that note, a really heavy reliance in this movie on the, the um, score. Mm. Mm. Just like Fantasia. It's a really yeah. heavy reliance because there's not much dialogue. Well, I can't remember too much of it. Of the score? No. I mean, you were humming it straight afterwards. Yeah. And different bits from like the beginning. I would have yeah. just been humming the end. Yeah. But I, I suppose it's, I mean, it's a very different choice from obviously what a lot of Disney films do nowadays, where it's like memorable catchy tunes by Tim Rice and things like yeah, that. It's, yeah. It's, it's a very different approach. Well, the other thing was that this was the first Disney film to have songs in it um, that were not actually sung by any of the characters on screen. Mm. Hmm. Which we were talking about before. I mean, yeah, that's, that's an interesting fact because it, it was kind of this almost reverse full circle thing because songs used to be done like that. Mm. And I remember reading, I can't remember what the name of the film it was, but it was, it had a soundtrack where it was a guy whistling and they synced it up to the guy whistling and people lost their bloody minds. <laughs> it's like, wow, that guy who's whistling is actually, like, you know, we can see him whistling and the sound's whistling and it looks like he's whistling. This is amazing. And mm. so it's almost like a full... Like, yeah. oh my God, like we can do this now, we'll do this. And then somebody didn't even go back, only took a quarter of a step back by having singing happening when there's not someone singing Yeah. to go. But I guess also when you're doing animals as well. Is there any singing in Fantasia? Well, Fantasia is, is with, all with, set with, to yeah. music. Yeah, um, true. But I don't recall any of the uh, fantastical creatures. I, I don't recall. Singing. Yeah, sing, yeah. Well, they do have that one scene... Um, where they're singing like the Ave Maria and they have like the choir. Mm. So there is a choir, yeah. Technically, but... but, Like they can cut away from somebody singing and then cut back and they're still singing. So like in Mm. the set, there's someone singing. Yes. Mm. While in this, because there's no humans. Well, Well, except the ones with guns. Well, well, you never still still never actually see the humans, you just see the gunshots. Which is such an important thing. Let's go on that. Yes. That's actually such an important thing because can you imagine like you know bringing this film out in the US where hunting back in the like in the 40s was such mm. a big thing like mm. can you imagine them trying to come out with this movie that had hunters as the villains villains and because it's a child's movie you'd have to represent you know the villain as someone like really evil and cruel and snarling mm. and that kind of thing you have to really over exaggerate the character but then so that's why you they... don't want to show that on screen especially uh-huh. because so many people are involved in hunting yeah because they i mean if, if they just drew what a, a normal uh it'd be North like American a big hunter. political comment well, it, well, so like they... you with the with the plaid and the hat yeah and... yeah but if they did that would look like uh, potentially like an original audience member's dad. Or yeah, uncle. a lot of kids yeah. would be yeah. afraid of their dads seeing yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and it's uh, yeah. I, I also think just in terms of a storytelling motif, it is great having this because so much of what we see in this film is about uh, nature and how it works and and how it all flows together beautifully and and having this like external destructive force which is man, mm-hmm. um, which just has these like terrifying and we, we see that terror with the uh, the little pheasants in the in the uh, oh, hiding in the yeah. grass scary where that heart. one flies because she just gets completely freaked out and gets shot because and it she's is ran. it is how quails um actually work we've got quails on the um the farm mm. i grew up in and um if you're going along the har- in the harvester mm. you'll just be going and then within about two meters like okay cool gotta go and they just like fly off that way mm. yeah um usually to the part where we've already harvested so mm. um but you watch them and they are very late my mum actually used to have Quails in her um, in the aviary. Um, when I when I was a little kid, there was like footage of my mum as a kid, and there were these quails, and they used to move exactly like that. You know where they all line up, 
Yeah. Go. Yeah. They kind of used to do that as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, quails and, are very interesting creatures. Yeah. And lots of great other incidental animals as well mm. uh, when they're not being pursued and shot by men. No we predators. S- yeah, I mean, technically, I think technically owl could eat some of the people, some of the other animals in the forest. Yeah, there's that but... mouse. Yeah, the owl could eat mm. the mouse. He's the, he's the closest thing you have to a predator. And he's yeah. also kind of the not the worst character but the villainish character he's the yeah. one who tells the twitter page he yells well he's he's more kind of like a uh, more like a trickster it. like an old crone yeah. trickster yeah. kind of thing where he's well, just he's like, just grumpy really yeah yeah Classic. basically he's just old and grumpy yeah and uh then moved to the hundred acre wood afterwards <laughs> <laughs> um he's just got horrible yellow eyes and the whole thing's yellow like, there's no mm. white to his pupils it's like yeah he's it's like pupil yellow same yellow um mm. going back quickly to the um to the idea of man. Yes. Um, mm. I don't know what list it was, but man is actually listed somewhere as, one, I think it was number one, like the greatest villain. Film villain. Yeah, film villain of yeah. all time. Yeah. Um, the, the, and For the man from Bambi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and considering the fact that you never see him on screen. And um, originally when they were creating the movie, they had, um, they wanted to have a shot of this, you know, this man actually having died in the forest fire, um, which would have been some serious poetic justice mm, yeah. because, you know, man was the one who actually started the fire. Yeah. Mm. And, and yeah, that, that, that it, we, obviously towards the end of the film, uh, it does get quite uh, violent and dark. And we see, we, first, firstly, we see the fight with Rono before we get to yes. the yes. Uh, forest fire. Rono coming in, just a very shady looking deer, keeping... Uh, <laughs> Rono Bambi sounds like a shady looking Australian who would want to try and fight you in a pub <laughs> yeah. or something too. He'd oh, bottle you. Oh no, it's Rono. <laughs> G'day, Bambi. You better clear out of here, this Sheila's mine. He's got a big role in the sequel. Really? Yeah. Rono? The sequel is actually like a midquel. Oh, um, okay. It takes place like during the um, the movie, mm. and so it, it, they show Rono as like a kid. Mm. I, I oh, two thousand six. Yeah, it's, it's like it's quite. It's like one of the longest gaps between like was an original the longest and a gap. Like sixty one yeah. years, sixty four years, sixty four years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the longest gap between yeah. um, original and sequel. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Getting in the original voice actors proved quite tricky. Yeah. <laughs> Bambi sounded hella old. Though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and just on the note with the animation as well, uh, animation from this film has been reused in so many other Disney uh, pr- yes. uh, products as well, uh, more so than any other uh, Disney film. Uh, incidental animation of birds, leaves, and things like that. Mm. Um, Bambi's mother makes an appearance in Beauty yeah. and the Beast. Right um, at the beginning. Yeah, she's at the very beginning. During the prologue. Um, oh, okay, yep. Yeah, and she's also in the quarry in uh, The Sword and the Stone. And oh. yeah, <laughs> um, Bambi, Bambi and his mum both appear in The Rescuers. Ah. So yeah, they, they they've you know they went on quite a few adventures before. Yeah. They're in a Donald Duck cartoon as well. Really? Yeah, okay. called like Bad Hunting or something, something to do with hunting. Mm. Was it Donald Duck? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but Ooh. I can only imagine it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was it's actually like, the. It's like man is blamed. And it's when they do Duck, who just got away with it, and like when they do men. the um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, a dead version of this, like The Lion King three, yeah, it's going to yeah. have Donald Duck. Donald Duck <laughs> doing He's the one it, who really it'll shot be, them. It'll be from. <laughs> Who was it? There were the the beginning bit you mentioned. There are two squirrels, like a large grey squirrel. And there a was normal... a squirrel and a chipmunk. Yeah, and squirrel and chipmunk. Yeah, yes. they were meant to be like a comedy duo in it. Like an Abbott and Costello. Yeah, like Laurel and Hardy. I think mm. was, was what was they were intended. Yeah. Okay. And it's interesting again looking at that how it feeds into uh, comparisons with the Lion King because we do get that in the Lion King with Timon and Pumbaa. Timon and Pumbaa yeah. are yeah. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yeah, but are also Abbott and Costello. Yeah, they're they're the comedy reliefs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it it is interesting. I did want to talk a little bit about the animation. 
Yeah. Um, yes. Because uh, you were mentioning uh, Nicola uh, as we were watching that um, the the production style having the um, the very sort of washed like out washed backgrounds. out backgrounds. Mm. Yes. Um, the the that look was inspired by the Chinese animator Tyrus Wong. Uh, I've heard of him. Yeah, sketches oh, softened in the background, and it meant, uh, as you said, that it, they focused more on the actual animals in the foreground. Yeah. Mm. Um, what did you think of it, Jason? Um, that's actually something I, I made a remark to, um, about during in my notes, but I left my notes in the um, TV room, <laughs> so I didn't want to get up and move them um, or move the microphone just to get it. So um, I felt like with it. To me, and probably not to the audiences of the time, just because the idea of animation was so great, but with these backgrounds, they were faded like that, but they always looked, to me at least, flat. Yeah. In terms of that they were there and they were the end. So it added to me a feeling of claustrophobia, almost, because you never saw a proper blue sky. Even in the summer bit, it's cloudy Mm. and gives off a heat look. Um, it's never blue. You don't see a horizon. Everything just kind of moves. It always into... looks quite humid. Yeah, it looks humid or dark or muggy. You know, not muggy, I guess. Um, no, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, like like you know that that wet that yeah. you get so incredibly um, where the, the rain clouds are almost sitting on top of you, yeah. and so it never feels like you could really look more than ten meters in front of you. And it's really obvious when Bambi's mum takes Bambi to the field. Yeah. And she's talking about how great and open it is. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, but it's also, right that there. is also meant to be <laughs> probably to the point. It, it helps or it helped me because there is the whole, you know, that's where Bambi's mother dies. Mm. So the fact that it was it's a bit claustrophobic mm. and she's like, I can't see anything. That kind of makes it a little bit more scary in a way mm. too. That's a good point. I never really thought about it like that. So yeah, when they're going out into mm. the meadow and, you know, she's saying, I need to go and look first before you can come out yeah. to check it's safe mm. but really if it's you know muggy and cloudy and quite humid you wouldn't be able to see that part. yeah it looks mm. open but it isn't really yeah that kind mm. of thing which so. is i think that's to the point of not limitations well i guess limitations mm. of the artwork like you couldn't have like made that field like well mm. now you can just copy paste copy paste and make a field mm. yeah but I, but I also feel it was a stylistic choice as it well it would have been mm. because like, you know dumbo came out just before that snow white was before that and mm. they don't really have that same sort of effect it's really the artwork and the way mm. that they yeah. went for that sort of style yeah and i think it certainly helped make those characters pop mm. and like particularly with the focus on uh, how young Bambi, um, mm. pretty much the whole time he was on screen, Nicola, you were giggling along and He's just going... so cute. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but I, I think having, making that choice of having the background kind of faded allows those caricatures to really stand yeah. out. I was impressed with Thumper as well, yeah. uh, the way Thumper moved and like the way his nose twitched, uh, the way we think Rabbit's nose twitched, uh, a, a Rabbit's nose does twitch. Um, and it's not nearly. But it's the way as... the cartoon rabbit's nose is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, an actual rabbit's nose doesn't move as much, but it looks right on Thumper that his yeah. nose is moving like that. Mm. They actually had a zoo at the animation studios. Oh. They um, had a deal with um, a local zoo there, and they brought um, a couple, two deers um, that they actually had donated, which were named Bambi and Faline. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had like a couple of squirrels and rabbits mm. and that sort of thing. And the animators, the, half the reason that it took so damn long for this movie to come out, um, I don't know if we said it in the podcast. We but... haven't yet. Uh, this oh, was, okay. yeah, the rotoscoping. Oh, no, I wasn't no. going to mention okay. that, but we'll come back to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this movie was originally planned to be the second 
animated feature, so after straight Snow after White. Snow White, mm. but it ended up being the fifth because they were so focused on creating, making it so detailed. Um, and half the reason that it took so long was because they really wanted to get down the movements of these animals because it's, mm. I mean, they're all animal characters. Yeah. And they'd previously used deers in like Snow White. And if you compare the images of, you know, Bambi compared to the deers in Snow White, the deers in Snow White look rubbish. Like they're just <laughs> so like fake. Whereas these ones, I mean, you know, they're still animated, but they look so much more realistic because mm. these animators spent like two years studying the movements of these animals that they had on property mm. to make sure that they were getting it right. Mm. Um, and they had a lot of problems actually animating um, the deer, like mm. Bambi, purely because of the fact that deers don't have like chins. Yeah. So it was proving to be... And their eyes are on separate sides of their heads, which makes it difficult when you're animating mm. like in a 2D platform. Well, to a rabbit as well. Rabbits... Yeah. Um, ra- like also the fact, you know, speaking of deers, and probably what makes them so cute is rabbit is like deers eyes don't take up a sixth of their head. Yes. Mm. Like they do in... Like Bambi's yeah. do. Yeah. So Mark Davis was the final um, person who animated um, Bambi and created that final character design. Um, and I only know that because he's one of my favorite animators of all time. He invented Garfield. He he animated. That was him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he no, he's famous for he did Tinkerbell, he did Snow White, he did Cinderella, he did Maleficent and Sleeping Beauty. He was the only animator that worked on Cruella Deville. He was the only one that touched her. He animated the entire film. Oh. Cruella Deville. Every every Cruella every every image of wow. Cruella Deville in 101 Dalmatians was Mark Davis. He also worked at Disney World and did a lot of the Imagineering for. Yes, he did. Carmen just came in. Yeah, sorry. We Um, have uh, (laughs) Carmen making a a surprise appearance. Uh, Jason's partner. You can come on the mic if you want. Yeah, jump on. Come on over. Uh, Talk about some Mark Davis. Hello, hello, Carmen. Hello, everyone. I love Mark Davis. Love his work. Love his work in the theme parks. So he did a lot of um, character design for... um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. um, Yeah, Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise as well, basically. That's been turned into a movie. Yeah, Jungle oh, the Rock, yeah. the Jungle Cruise with the Rock, yeah, yeah, oh. that's, that's going to be interesting. Good, I think, yeah, okay. and he basically did the whole first part of the Haunted Mansion was just all Mark Davis, basically. Yeah, he's amazing. There yeah. we go. All right, um, thank you very right, much for that, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he. We'll mention final... somebody else who should be back. <laughs> <laughs> mention like Ib Ewoks or whatever. And so, oh, Ib, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he did the final design for Bambi, and um, the reason that Bambi looks so good is because he came up with the decision to cre- like join, you know, what a deer looks like along with what a child would look like. Mm. So he's the reason why Bambi has such big eyes and the fact that he can talk without a chin and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and also mm. uh, they, they use some images of the original voice actor, Donnie, as well. Yes. Yeah, so oh. his, his... His expressions. Yes, his expressions were featured into it. Um, and the other thing we mentioned just before with the rotoscoping, um, because the animators had a lot of trouble getting the antlers to look right on, yes. particularly Bambi's dad. Yes. Stannis. S- Yes, yeah. Stannis. So the antlers on the stags were proving to be really difficult to animate because of the angles of them and trying to just get the depth and the perception of them right. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they created a cast of a set of um, deer antlers and then they recorded in you know live action film um, every single angle of those antlers and then basically they used an animation technique called a rotoscope where they project the image onto, onto like a it. piece of glass and then they animate, they put the paper over the top and sketch it on. So that's how they actually managed to get the um, the antlers to look correct in every rotation. I mean, it did work. Like, I never yeah. thought much of the antlers at all. Like, I didn't think they were bad or sit there just going... Oop, but if they, they were bad. bad, you probably would have picked it exactly. up. Exactly. And there is that weird... Like, rotoscoping, even in real 
life things can sometimes look bad. Mm. Yeah. Um, this isn't rotoscoping, but the idea of angles playing a funny trick on you yeah. always reminds me of um, in episode one, the first time Darth Maul busts out the two-ended lightsaber, mm. he turns it a little bit and it looks like it shrinks. Mm. Um, if, it, it always bugs me and I think it's the same level of kind of... That perception. Perception of the angles because suddenly there's this 2D shaft of light coming mm. out of it. Right. And because he turns a little bit, um, and the light's kind of covering the edges of the lightsaber. It looks like it suddenly shrinks a little bit. Oh. Okay. I've always found that. I don't know if anybody else has. I, the I first found time a I've lot more it. problems with that film than that. But yeah, uh, yeah, true, <laughs> but, true. But no, I'd never. Usually, lightsabers are the least of the problems yeah. in Star Wars films. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing that we, we commented on in terms of the animation style, which maybe didn't look quite as good, was the fire. Fire. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Uh, it had a very sort of like wispy, almost malevolent feel to it, which I suppose kind of like. Fit in with I, like I thought it was very stylized and yeah. actually really fitted with the mm. concept art that they used for I, it. I felt like it, it, it suddenly reminded you, oh yeah, this is pencil to me. Yeah, it's really 2D like animation. It was, I think maybe, I can't remember like from memory, but I feel like there was a real like orange in the middle, yellow in the outside, and there's a heavy break between mm. the two. Like there was not a, a soft, not that soft a fade between the orange bits to the yellow bits. Okay. Like they're often used, but I mean... Film has always had a hard time with fire. It's yeah. only been relatively recently that we've been like that fire can be special effect in to look any good. Mm. Like you go back and watch um, Return of the King, Lord of the Rings, the bit where all the fires are going up on the way. Some of them, if you actually look at them, look horrendous. Okay, like um, like they just kind of go, and then they don't they don't, they really don't look, look like fire. They don't look like fire. Yeah, um, which is why um, in Certain things when you can make a fire, the fire tends to, they tend to put a fake fire in and put it right in front of the camera. Mm. So really, all it is is just a little bar in front of the camera that's on fire, and then the actors behind it to make it look dangerous. Like in um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the big you haven't um, seen that. You haven't seen that. The, no. There's a big bar fight, and then somebody accidentally lights up a fire. That is actually like pencil and paper animation. So it would have mm. like I, I I don't know. I thought it looked really good. Yeah, especially considering I, they were drawing it, it all. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean hand drawing. I'm, I'm horrible at hand drawing, so I really can't talk. But it was. It reminded me. I said before, it reminded me of Calcifer from House Moving <laughs> Castle. Mm. Um, I've like seen that. you can almost imagine that, yeah, <laughs> you can almost imagine there being a face on it and it looking <laughs> a little malevolent, which I think maybe is to that point mm. of it's it's stylized. Yeah. Even when it catches, it doesn't really catch like a firewood. It kind of just brushes near things and then yeah, those jumps. Yeah. yeah. But but then again, if it is uh, as as Nicola was saying, a stylistic choice to represent fire as being uh, almost. Because it's a weapon of man. Yeah, a yeah. weapon of man, but almost being alive in its own unique way. Mm. The fact it seems to be like enveloping and chasing Bambi and his father throughout mm. that forest scene. Um, Does the father have a name? Um, it's called the Great King of the Forest. No, the Great Prince the of the Great Forest. Great Prince of the, the Forest. Yeah. We were calling it Stannis. Yeah, but... Stannis. Stannis tends to work. Um, <laughs> so one final bit of trivia that we picked up, and I'm sure you know the answer to this, Nicola. Uh, <laughs> what Nicopedia. Was, what? Yeah, Nicopedia. <laughs> uh, what is the code phrase used by Disney employees when Walt was coming down the hallway? Oh, man is in the forest. Correct. Uh, which I think is just wonderful. <laughs> which is said by the mother in the film the first time that they tried to go into the meadow and then men chased them down. Oh yeah, when they yeah, because I was but when that happened, I was like, oh yeah. oh, she died already. Well, this is. I mean, we're, we're twenty minutes in, but like it was still early goings <laughs> in terms of everything else. Yeah, and Bambi's yeah. all like, "Why are we running, Mum?" Yeah, on? exactly. Man's and, in the forest. Yeah, man's in the forest. So that was what like you know 
make everyone look busy. Yeah, that was my yeah. favourite bit of trivia from from <laughs> the research for this film. So yes, did you um, ever work it out? I have no idea. Mm. I have absolutely no idea. I'm not even sure if that's real, to be honest, but I love it regardless. It's a good story. (laughs) Excellent. So uh, Mm. let's score this film. Uh, And we'll start with you, Jason, as this was your first time seeing the film. What would you give Bambi out of 10? Um, I would uh, give it six identical rabbits with no personality out of 10. What would you give this film, Nicola? I really like this film. Mm -hmm. I'd probably give it maybe a seven and a half, eight out of 10. It's not my favourite Disney movie, but for what it's worth, the time that it came out, I think it's a beautiful movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I was surprised with how it held up. Um, in terms of the, again that thing of you know when you're a kid you're going oh but there's not a genie like Aladdin it's not funny but it is it's it's a very different film I can certainly see why it would be Walt's favourite yeah um, it's considering all the other ones how many was he alive for five seven oh, no long more than that maybe maybe eight or nine okay mm. uh, but yeah I would as a score I would probably give uh, this I'm I'm gonna give it seven. Twitterpated birds out of, out of ten. Um, oh, poor lonely bird. Yeah, there's one. There's one very frustrated Twitterpated bird there. I, I didn't say that these. They may not be entirely monogamous. This may be a. <laughs> there may be a bit of um, something I'm not going to say going on. But yeah. uh, Okay, so thank you very much. We're going to end on that. Okay, yeah, cool, I'm, good. Yeah, we're not, we're, we're, I'm going to talk about Barrow, uh, Sparrow's having a threesome, Jason. <laughs> that is not what this, this show is about. <laughs> uh, let let me tell you about the birds and the other the birds. birds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all right. But uh, thank you very much, uh, Jason, Nicola and Carmen uh, for coming onto the podcast. Thank right. you so much. Thank you. And for those of you listening at home, uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. If you would like more information, you can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast. And of course, make sure that you subscribe to the series on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, that's all for now, though. So until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. in 1970 wow she went yeah to the cinema to watch it she mm. said it's the first movie that she ever remembers seeing in the cinema was Bambi yeah I was, she was telling me about it when I was on my way here and I was um, like alright mum bye yeah well, <laughs> I, I want to take this opportunity to maybe apologise to my mum in case I threw her under the bus for not letting me watch Bambi as a kid <laughs> but knowing me as a kid when my favourite film was um, two films to watch was Die Hard and Back to the Future I don't think I would have enjoyed Bambi Maybe I think maybe she was just protecting you because you were a delicate flower. Maybe, Aww. yeah. And you smelt like a skunk too. <laughs> <laughs> you have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.